When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome in to Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. A busy traffic day here in Chicago. Uh, sorry, chat, that we're here at 4.05 and not 4 p.m. Uh, you know, we didn't wait an hour. It was only five minutes. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And that's not... Herb Lawrence. That's James Feagan. It's not. You can follow James on Twitter <laughs> at J.R. Feagan. He is the Chicago White Sox beat writer for The Athletic. I'm uh, responsible for it being late today. So. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I didn't know where it was. I was walking the wrong direction. Um, it's not on an actual street. You're not unlike many Uber Eats drivers or Dash DoorDash people. <laughs> I it's think very like a group of teens kind of roasted me because it looked like because I dashed one way and then the other, it looked like I was running away from them <laughs> instead of like trying cross, to, crossing by them in the street. Trying to avoid the, the youths because I just ran into the street and then I turned around and ran the other direction. <laughs> just looked like I, I panicked at the sight of Chicago youths. Yeah, I mean, I, we can tell you this from having to do a show with Sean every day. You don't want to deal with Gen Z. <laughs> Not that bad. <laughs> I, I call them youths. They're probably like 27 years right, old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you're here, and you made it, and you escaped that gang of use, uh, and you don't have to <laughs> Those people leaving up. work? Yeah. Yes, those people <laughs> leaving work. If you're ever in West Loop, James, you just see people doing this, just run. <laughs> uh, the biggest issue I find is just uh, dog uh, feces, you know? There's not a lot, There's of, a lot of that. Yeah, in this not a lot of yeah. cleanup going around. I mean, you talked about my civic duty and drinking Malort. I, I, I think people should be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you should watch out, especially with those nice sneakers. Uh, you know, you got to gotta watch not. out on these streets. Do your civic duty. Pick up your dog's. Yeah, Anyways, seriously. Duty. There's nothing worse. No, there is nothing worse. Yeah. Um, I, I, I deal with neighbors who, who don't pick up their dog crap, and it's just it doesn't make any sense. We're yeah. here talking local uh, <laughs> political issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're Show me your sidewalks while you're at it. We're Follow gonna, your alderman. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to break some ice uh, while you're shoveling. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, ask James little questions. Uh, we haven't had some. We haven't had a guest on in a bit. I, I can't remember. Certainly not, uh, not while I've been here. I'm sure when well, I was gone, you had tons of guests. Because you're yeah. recently back from Australia. <laughs> yeah, just um, back. Just got off the plane. Just off the plane. Thank, thankfully, Southwest doesn't fly to Australia. Yeah, now really. we're, we're bringing some global politics. Um, but, uh, James, we got some quick What's questions for you. What's the deal with you. travel, man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some quick questions for you. Uh, first off, what was the player stance that you imitated the most when you were a kid? Growing uh, up. When you were a youth that back, people yeah. avoided on the sidewalk. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, prop. Jesus, I'm going to slam this down. Uh, probably Frank mm-hmm. into doing, like, the little, like, the little. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Doing like the little thing he would do, like bringing his bat out. Um, like Ventura was more like this deep crouch. There wasn't like a ton of like frills to it. Mm-hmm. But, like Frank would seem like he was kind of waving the bat at the, the pitcher a little bit. When they signed Tomei, you'd do the point a little bit. Sure. But, like I also saw that being like the harbinger of doom for like 10 years yeah, in right. Cleveland. So I <laughs> didn't like embrace it like super hard. But Frank Thomas. 
Yeah, yeah. As, I'm mean, not going to reinvent the wheel here. Frank Thomas was the first player you brought up today too when you asked if we had any big hurt beer right. in the fridge. So I, my sister still has one. One. Wow. We bought and a case of thirty. Mistake. But <laughs> they're very potent. But he signed one, and we haven't drank oh, that. Oh, sure, one. yeah. When was when was that? I release? thought you like kept it like like my roommate has a box of Rizzo's still. Oh. Not my current roommate. That would be my wife. Well, but my former roommate. <laughs> It still has a box of Rizzo's from a few years ago. I have my box of Wheaties with Burley on the uh, cover from the 2005 World Series. Sure. That's what I thought he was I want to like. say it was like 2010, 2011 is around that time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I recently drank beer from that time when, like, at the, when we started this company. Like, what was that, 2014 beer? Oh, my God. Beer? That was the weirdest so beer, yeah. It's probably still drinkable if you want to drink a big no. herb beer. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so we'll put Frank Thomas down for player stance. You haven't said it the most. Uh, most of, uh, and this is from, uh, inspired by uh, Sleepy Harold, uh, who might, yeah, is in the chat right there. Uh, Scoops Vegan in the house. I know you didn't want to look at the chat, uh, but <laughs> Sleepy Harold wanted to know, uh, what's the most obscure current White Sox prospect that you can name? Uh, well, even just being mentioned there, like uh, James Fox brought up some dude I didn't even hear of. <laughs> I like looked up on baseball reference. And I got like the name here. Texted <laughs> some scouts about it. Just I was <laughs> wow. There, yeah, see, there uh, you go. Um, he's Arnold prepared. Prado. He's, he's really tall and he like crushed the ball in the DSL and he's 18 years old. O'Neill Cruz tall or? Uh, no, he's like 6'3. Oh, okay. All right. Just oh, so he's, he's, a good, he's, he's a good, Vinny tall. He's the right level <laughs> tall for a corner outfielder. Oh, corner outfield. Okay. I wasn't knowing. Really. Like Jose Rodriguez, I thought was 6'3 for a bit. He's only like 5'10. They just signed a guy who's 5'9 to play left field for five years. I'm contrasting it to that. Yeah, we'll talk about that guy in a bit. Um, I'm not too happy about that. Uh, I mean, who's the most obscure White Sox prospect who never made it? to the big leagues that you could probably name. Isn't that a, just a ton of them? Isn't that all? Like, <laughs> That's pretty much all of them. I mean, there's the a big The question pool. really should have been, who's the most obscure White Sox prospect you asked Rick Hahn about? Oh, um, hmm. Yeah, that, that is a good Because there was a while during those rebuilding years where, where Rick would be giving out uh, injury updates on prospects. And that always got, like, he made that into, a, like, a big, like, Merck was the one who asked about Victor Diaz, like, over and over again. And that somehow got, sale trade. It somehow got, got put like, on put you. put on me a lot. <laughs> Um, I mean, they I just, mean, Victor Diaz, I'll take. So, like, when they drafted, like, Cade McClure out of Louisville, he, like, dominated low A for a bit. Uh, and so when he, like, twisted his knee, he got his knee injured. Like, I remember asking about it in a press conference, and everyone looked at me like, who's Cade McClure? And now they just traded him to the Giants. Troy little McClure's did they brother. know. The yeah. guy who got them Gregory Santos. Yeah, little do they know. You know <laughs> who got the guy. Years later, he'd be dominating AAA out of the bullpen and then get traded. So, yeah, I was putting in my homework. <laughs> Good job. Um, and then uh, this one's probably easy. Uh, what's the best White Sox uniform of all time? You don't have to really re-rack uh, the brain too hard to, like, pull up an Arnold um, Prado or anything. I think when they're traveling in the all grays, they look like – a joyless brand of mercenaries, <laughs> but in a good way mm -hmm. to when they're like playing well and they're like methodically taking across the opposition. It's just like, like the empire winning. Like it's just <laughs> these guys dressed in gray and they're just kind of dashing around doing what they want and everyone's unhappy and like shrugging. Like when I think when they're, when they're doing their thing on the road and they're playing well, they, they look cool 
It reminds you of an imperial board meeting in like what's going well, on on like the third level of the Death Star. It reminds Star. me of an, the, the actual baseball movie where they were where the road grazed. So you like the, the current? Well, like, it'd be like a scene in a Star Wars movie, like forty five minutes in, where it's just the Empire just wrecking a hopeless planet. Right. And it's right. like, oh, we got to avenge them, but like, and they look. You kind of have to lean back. Like this is an atrocity. Sure. But they look good doing it. <laughs> wow. James Fegan appreciates the the bad guys in Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to appreciate the franchise, why not appreciate every part? Mm. You know, mm. they had no accuracy, but they were looking good while uh, doing it. The little like cursive sea hat that was like the thing the when 90s. I was like three years yeah. old. The Frank like, Thomas debut. Yeah, like I thought. I don't think the full uniform is like put it over everything, but I think the hat. I wish they would bring that back. Sure. Uh, like, to, given how much we see the 1983 jersey, I would love to see those mixed in a bit. Sure. I think they have their place. The same a lot of people scheme. would like those, too, yeah. The players yeah. don't like the huge, like, sewed-on patch of the 83 jersey, I've heard at times, and this is maybe a little bit smaller. Their pullover's not buttoned down, so right. I'm sure that throws them off their whole their whole thing. Yes. Does that make that much of a difference? I mean, like, because you're talking the about the... That's the reason they only won 81 games. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the road grays. Like, wouldn't they have, like, the same length of a logo across? Yes, and, like, but south side it's the two? same but it's length, button but it's down. It's a button down? Right. It's not as right. thick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, I, I I love a pullover. I think they look great. I don't really care about what the what the people wearing them think. Oh, the pullover <laughs> looks great. I just I, if they someone says like it kind of like is weird while I swing, I'd be like, oh yeah, I yeah, get right. it. Sure. Again, they didn't hit a lot of home runs, and yeah. they were only wearing the eighty three. Right. We got to look Otherwise, up the Sunday splits now. It's fine. <laughs> and see how many home runs they had. Uh, and uh, yeah, Vinny always brings up the uh, the red pinstripes. Yeah, those are my faves. The um, Belton Bill Melton ones. The, yeah, they yeah. they were in like twenty twelve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love the sleeveless two thousand five. I just I think they look cooler without sleeves for some reason. It's the same jersey. It's another big fan favorite is the is the vest the vest one. It feels like it's the the White Sox version of the Mets and their like black uniforms. Like mm-hmm. this is very like late nineties, early two thousands. Yes. And the black uniforms look great. They look the Mets black the uniforms. Mets. Yeah, mm, that's your opinion. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, we do have a Mets question in here. Uh, will Carlos Correa be a Met this season? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> you like this whole fiasco? Uh, like from afar. <laughs> If like, it was happening to a team we were covering, it would be If it was happening in basketball, I'd be able to purely enjoy it without any of the built-in anxiety of, like, how would I deal with this? <laughs> so you're just wondering, this like, the like angle. Like, <laughs> calling Rick, like, three times a day after that with this sounds awful. He'd be probably really irritated by call number three. Well, you guys <laughs> probably don't envy then Dan Hayes because he's not even covering one of those teams, but he's still, like, you know, calling never, about Correa and the John, medicals and all this stuff. Never have I envied Dan Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yes, in the sense he's a human that experiences stress, but he's also like a baseball like labradoodle. He's very excited just to be around and like sniffing all the people and just like he's he loves being in baseball and like getting these gossipy stories. Like this is this is his thing. Dan, if you're watching, you need to change that to your Twitter bio. I love being around and sniffing all the people. <laughs> you can just make baseball labradoodle. That was that was pretty uh, short. That's pretty good. Uh, and then final one, Vinny didn't want to talk about this at all. Um, he did not. He banned this as a topic. Uh, I think he's. I think he's sick of talking about this topic. Uh, who will be the White Sox starting second baseman in 2023? I'm I didn't I was, ban it because we are going to have to talk about it a hundred more times. But so you yeah. wield just like joking. no power in this situation. No, none whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so like opening day or like yeah, we'll say blind day. share of the plate appearances. Who, who would be – I mean, obviously, Liuri will be on the roster. So, like, right. you know, Liuri will probably get some appearances at second base. I was base, not going to like, name Liuri. Okay. All right. uh, you don't need to, like, further dive down, like, the qualifiers. Who would, who would be, like, the second baseman on the 26-man roster? 
capable of playing second base outside who, of Andrew Vaughn. Who are the second basemen on the 26-man roster? Who will be on opening I'm day? I'm stalling for time by just continuing <laughs> to add, like, process Argue semantics. You could pass. Um, I mean, I guess Romy at this point? Like, if we're talking about the course of the year, like, I think he'd be the most likely guy at this point. I mean, one, just technically, like, looking at people in the organization, but also, like, assuming that, you know, pretty comfortably that they don't have a move on the level of Benintendi coming for the rest of the offseason. Um, I think they could trade somebody who would be, like, the new starter or maybe a placeholder. Um, but I, I wouldn't, like, pick that over the field, I guess, at this point. And so then if I'm just choosing from the field, I would say Romy is, seems like he has, like, the lead shot in it. But I'm a bit of a Lennon Sosa man myself. <laughs> I think over the course of, like, six months, maybe he could kind of take over and have that more opportunity. But I think you could talk to scouts who lean one way or the other and, like, both enough have a little bit of, like, flaws in their track record where you could see why either one wouldn't work out and thus it would give way to the other. But I, I guess – Wow, I've really lit up the fan base by <laughs> taking this path to say, hey, Romy Gonzalez, why not? I mean, you gave a thorough answer. It, it seems like it could be anybody. I think Vinny and I took He's the field still. He's the one still. who's, like, working out with the hitting coaches in Miami right now right. and the one they bring up a lot, so it, it seems like it's giving them edge. Not that they say, like, oh, that lazy layabout Lennon Sosa playing <laughs> – Venezuelan Winter League all winter. <laughs> if only he would do some work. Like, it's not like that. But, you know, it, it seems like he's the one that they're talking about more often. Makes sense. Um, we'll take uh, – we'll got a super chat here, and then we'll take a break and then What's answer. What's a super chat? So a people super chat, people pay, pay money. To get their comment front and center in front of our face, and we usually answer a question. And this so is like when I, like, start – Maybe 1 a.m. in a bar and start, like, paying extra to put my touch tune stuff. Correct. It's exactly that. <laughs> what's, the first, what's, like, the go-to touch tune song? Oh, uh, it depends on the mood. Okay. I think that's anyone's answer, but, like. Depends on whether he wants to annoy me or not. Mm. <laughs> to annoy Vinny. What have I played to annoy you? Uh, just in life or? <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Typically, that's a daily occurrence at the ballpark. I Usually mean, the White Sox take care of that for you by playing something that annoys the me. The thing, but, yeah. like, I would do that would really upset everyone at the bar is play, like, some, like, atonal, like, Wolf Parade song from, like, the mid-2000s. And it's, like, a lot of distortion. And everyone's like, what is this? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, man, this really brings me back to driving home from my hospital job for an hour <laughs> through traffic from Blue Island. It's me playing Gaslight Anthem on my way home from Jewel uh, in Marionette Park. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Uh, baseball tossed at a super chat uh, saying, uh, why isn't Ben attendee official yet? Uh, it's been 11 days. Um, he's not getting his physical taken until like the new year. Okay. So it's not like they've had a physical and they're like, oh my God. It's like, it's literally like he's traveling or doing whatever for the holidays yeah. and they're doing it afterwards. It's that time Still of year. pending. Yeah. It's that time of year right. where it's people like, are busy. Well, and they're, they're making sure you guys, you know, your, your holiday plans aren't screwed up, right? Yeah. I mean, Rickon's just being really, you know, what's it called? We're Cautious, the, I guess. We're the priority Yes, yeah, so you guys are the priority. These, these five beat writers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it will be official We were uh, going to get it on official. Korea, but Vegan was visiting his mom, so we didn't <laughs> want to make any news. Um, I, I like there was one snippet at the end of a uh, – the winter meetings where someone jokingly asked, are you going to sign judge? Uh, and then the recording uh, cut off. So I, I don't he know. He said what no, said. by oh, the way. Okay. Oh, shockingly. <laughs> um, he said no. Um, we'll take a quick break On here. the record. And let the record state, they did not sign. <laughs> no, they did not. Um, Man of his word. Yes. Uh, so uh, still pending on Andrew Benatendi, uh, but that doesn't mean you should start freaking out because uh, usually it's just protocol uh, for all these. Uh, like there's no 
minor league injury that it's we know of forever <laughs> that like everyone's going to be like i mean i bet like front offices across the league are going to be more hesitant to like confirm stuff because they'll be like well it's phys- pending physical let's not do anything but yeah generally like 99 times out of 100 the reason why this is so such a titillating saga is because it's abnormal well and because now both teams have done it or at least yeah. both teams are worried about it like if it was just the giants and then the mets signed them i don't think people would care that much but now it's like the mets are like eh, you know, it's 55% chance that we'll get this deal done. See, see, now the next time I ask Han about some minor league injury, and you'll be like, why are you asking me about this now? And I'd be like, 10 years from now, <laughs> <laughs> this will be at the center of the baseball world. Right. If, if Colson Montgomery has any injury, you'll be the yeah. first person this to ask. This guy stumbling over a bag and a ball. <laughs> uh, we got to take a break and let you know about Green Ridge Farm. They're Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural all option. They're the makers of deli meat sausages and their famous meat sticks they're perfect for tailgating happy hour and school lunches and these all-natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours and with 16 grams of pro- protein per stick per stick you uh, they make a perfect post-workout snack meat sticks come in chicken black forest beef and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili i see you guys on the, uh, my per- I think I the have one, so per- i was gonna say to james james if you have a joke just interject Is that's what i do all the time with winning ham meats oh that's a good it might be yeah yeah you're standing athwart the organization as a whole <laughs> oh no but you know? what I was going to say is whenever, whenever you have a joke, just interrupt him. That's what I do every day. Oh, okay. And the one that just came up there, Sean, he's a big fan like yourself of, you know, all the, stat, the stats with all the acronyms and everything where you throw the Scrabble tiles out on the table and pick assign it to a baseball number of some fashion. Don't show Vinny a spray chart. He'll so puke. We, had, we had, you just said, I think you just came up with a new one there, uh, protein per stick. Per t- I think we should <laughs> go with the with the uh, the PPS, the protein per stick. I like that. Yeah, we can figure that out. Yeah. Maybe we could, uh, you know, divide weights by uh, by uh, uh, bat weights and stuff. We yeah. can okay, protein we'll, per we'll, stick. I would never interrupt you with it. And then like PPS plus, you know. Like yeah, you got sure you've got to normalize it for the league wide. Yeah, of course. Um, if you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing out on. Uh, they're delicious because they're made from recipes generations in the making and being all natural. They deliver a fresh and flavor alternative at snack time. You can find them in the refrigerated section at Costco, Sam's Club or your local Chicagoland grocery store. And right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat stick in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Green Rich Farm, simply natural meat. And we also got to let you know about ComEd. They are serving people in their communities. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve manage energy usage and lower energy bills now into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territories. And customers can inquire about how to update lighting to energy and money-saving LED lights. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor-outdoor lighting and network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than ever before. So visit comed.com slash poweringbiz. That's comed.com slash poweringbiz. Now to start saving money and energy and to start a project, contact us at 1-855-433-2700. And for more information, you can email businessee at comed.com. I, I don't mind when you make jokes during the ad read. It's just I, I don't feel like I could say anything else but the ad read. Like I had I, no idea how early in we still were. There's a there's a little we're timer up there. You can ch- check it out. I, I'm not looking at that screen. 20 minutes? Is that too early? He's very paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll go to what you recently talked about. Uh, it's the basis for this conversation. Fixing the White Sox offense in 2023 seems like a very fixable thing. Seems like a super easy job. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah, they're just going to turn it around. Um, that seems like tape the, that you put on like a tub that's right. Flex tape. Oh, flex tape. Right yeah. there. That yeah, gets all anything. Yeah, good call. Uh, we should just have some of that. 
flex tape? Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Why not? Yeah. Like when the, my favorite is when, the when, he, when he takes the, the aerosol version of it. He's got the boat that he cut out and put a screen door mm. in and then just, just sprays the screen door and, can, and then goes on the lake. I could just watch infomercials for like did, days. Did you just undo the nature? Like it's no longer a screen door now, right? No, it's airflow. But the or- point being is that's how porous it was before. It was a screen door, and the thing just sealed it completely. And the seal like flexes. Are there less like ultimately pointless like journeys to improving this you could have taken? No, <laughs> it's the most pointless. <laughs> uh, Cross Tillman are asking what you guys are drinking. Uh, James has the Bulls three one two beer, and then. Uh, Vinny has the classic, the classic three one two, the golden wheat, or whatever. Um, and then I got water. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, your most recent piece, you talked to uh, Jose Castro, uh, the new hitting coach now for the Chicago White Sox, also assistant hitting coach Chris Johnson, uh, and then uh, you even mentioned Mike Tozar in the piece as well. Um, how at least are these guys going about fixing the twenty twenty three offense, or what is the plan, or what are some of the changes that they're trying to install? Um. Hmm. Where to begin? I also thought I should just like be tr- chugging the entire time we <laughs> talking about my work. Um, so like something like Pedro Grifo has like said from the, like the top down to like a level where some of the hitting coaches talked about is like, well, Pedro wants to do this. Um, is like something he said like in the intro press conference is like, we're going to talk that analytical language. Which I'm sure fired you up. Protein per <laughs> stick, guys. <laughs> but what he meant in that is in terms of every hitter should understand, like, what vertical rise means on a heater or what an average, you know, extension in a pitcher's delivery should mean. Um, like the example I think Chris Johnson gave is that if I tell you that this guy has 17 inches of run on his heater, you should know that an average heater has 16 inches of run, and thus you're looking at a ball that's going to have more rising action. You should anticipate that. I should be able to tell you that number, and thus you know what that means visually um, in the game, as opposed to just saying, like, hey, this guy's got a hoppy fastball. Kind of be aware of it. But, like, to actually quantify it will know people what to prepare. Or to say, you know, the average extension that a pitcher gets on a delivery as far as, like, how much he extends in the rubber – uh, is 6.3 feet. For example, Liam Hendricks gets seven feet of delivery. That's why he throws 99, but looks like guys are swinging at like 108 because he really extends out. Um, that he wants to be able to give like quantifiable information and thus have that known what that means. Um, so that's something that they want to be able to be part of their game prep uh, and then take that out. Whereas some, there's like a bit of a division from hitting coaches about that. Some guys would be like, I'm the one who's going to process the information. And I'll just tell it very simple to my hitters, and they're going to go from there. And there are some hitters who have come up, like, uh, you know, I referenced an interview with, like, Luis Robert, like, the start of last season, where he's like, I came up in Cuba. Uh, you know, I got what what the pitcher throws, fastball, slider, curveball, and how hard he throws, and I just adjust from there. That's what I'm familiar with. So there's definitely hitters. I don't, wouldn't want to just single out Luis who it'll be an adjustment for to be like, mm. hey, process all the instant information. And maybe some guys will eventually say, like, this is not really the approach I want. But, like, the idea was that they wanted to be a lot more, you know, plain spoken and saying this is the data on this guy's pitches and you have to prepare for it. Now, alongside that, you know, pe- something Pedro has emphasized a lot is game speed practice reps, uh, which extends not just the hitting – uh, they plan on doing more in high intensity, like infield ground balls of not just like doing token, like half speed grounders, like every day and not really drilling down the specifics. So for hitters that talks about 
hitting off a machine that's simulating spin, that's simulating velocity, and less like tossing flips and just having guys get loose or maybe just less, you know, batting practice pitching and more just like hitting off the machine before games. So that when you see 95, it's not the first time you've seen 95 that night. When you see, you know, a 2,800 RPM curveball, it's not the first time you've seen that night. That's kind of the, the emphasis they're putting. Like, let's give you as much detail and as much vision of what you're going to face rather than just the approach of, hey, just get loose, just, you know, get physically prepared to get comfortable with the rhythm of your swing, and then you'll see what the guy throws and you'll adjust. I think there's some hitters that already work that way. Uh, certainly Chris Johnson's been working in AAA Charlotte for two seasons, so what he's saying is not going to be new to Jake Berger or Gavin Sheets or even, you know, because a lot of this team has gone on rehab stints, a lot of right. the major league guys, like Osmani Grandal has worked with him a lot. He gave him a lot of credit when he had a big second half last year. He's certainly seen Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez before because those guys have done rehab since. So I don't think it's going to be necessarily a huge transition, um, but I, I think not everyone has been wired to work that way in the same way, and now it's going to be a very overt part of their approach. And I think it's definitely different, and given the way the White Sox performed last season, where they kind of looked like they were getting a feel of the pitcher during the middle of the game a lot, or they didn't seem like they had necessarily an offensive plan and were swinging out of the zone a lot. This seems like what you do to a team that played the way that they just played. Uh, I don't think they're, you know, this, this offense doesn't have a leg to stand on to say, like, hey, we just adjust mid-game. We don't do it this way. Like, they look like a team that, like, took too long to find their footing in games a lot. So they're going to get all the information all at once, all before the game. Now. Yeah, they ranked 20th uh, in uh, runs scored in the first four innings. So they just seemed like it was just so – dry the first couple innings uh, last year specifically yeah I mean I listen I think the the main takeaway that I got from from that and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more of that especially when spring training starts you know is that the White Sox wanted to do something different they brought in Pedro Grafol basically as their big piece of change from what happened last year to moving forward this year that you didn't see yeah you didn't see a roster overhaul like like you know folks might have been calling for or maybe some would expect given the circumstances of their disappointment last year to get this is this guy the new manager and this staff I think is who they are placing most of the onus on for drastically turning around the results that this team had in 2022 into going into what they expect to be a team that competes for championship in 2023 and so this is going to be fascinating to follow along with and we're already hearing we haven't even turned the calendar over yet and we're already hearing um, you know, them explaining what is different. I'm, I'm interested to hear from the players once we get to Glendale yeah. to say, all right, what's different and is it working? Obviously, you might not know it starts working until they go to Houston at the end of March, but you, 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 they, they are going to realize some obvious differences between what they've been through the last two years, specifically last year, and what they're getting with this new group of coaches. We're already hearing what the coach's plan is. Now let's see how it works with these individual guys. And maybe they just get waxed by Houston, but they <laughs> – they, well, the first the four games, maybe, right, yeah. They proved themselves at better at things they struggled at the last two years, which is like, you know, convincingly beating the Royals on a consistent basis. Very true. Since now they have the Royals. The Royals got yeah, their right. hands. Well, and it's, I think it's such a great opponent to start off this season, though, too, because, I mean, you saw in the World Series, like, they just were able to shut down the Phillies' bats because they knew where to negate that power. So I do wonder if they're able to, you know, bring those same scouting reports where Frank Minakino would have said, you know, we're getting slider to death. Like, will the White Sox get slider to death in 2023 again? Um, it's, I really like the part where Chris Johnson brought up, like, they really want to hone in on the fastball. 
like where you should be going up there and just be thinking about, you know, if I really like uh, that fastball away pitch, like I'll be able to really block everything out and not really have that doubt about what's coming. I'll be able to really hone in on, you know, my pitches. Um, I really think that's going to be a huge boost for the Sox in, in 2023. Hopefully uh, they'll have better pitch selection. Uh, we do have some stats here. Uh, just like first pitch selection, uh, walk rate, just compared to 2021 and 2022. Um, and what jumps out to me is that first pitch swing uh, where they went from tied from 13th up to 7th uh, in 2022. And we just saw the K rate completely plummet uh, last year. So uh, hopefully they're able to make some adjustments there. I like I commented a little bit at the end of the article, but like Castro is a guy coming from a successful organization, but he's also a new guy coming in. He's not like trying to just slag everything that's been doing like over the – like who he's taking over for. He's like, you know, there's a, you know, they've done some good things. There's time and place for that. And he's mm-hmm. being even handed as I would expect him to be. Whereas Chris Johnson came in like from the start of the interview, like we were 29th and ISO on fastballs, 93 <laughs> miles an hour over last year. Like we got to, we got to fix this. Like it's very much like someone who had been in the organization last season and been like, these are our issues. And they're <laughs> kind of bothering me just to bring it up a little bit type <laughs> of like energy, which I think the fans would have appreciated. Um, if I, I know, looped a lot of White Sox fans onto my phone call with a hitting coach, right, and which is atypical, is from a reporter standpoint. <laughs> well, and I know, I know, uh, someone in the chat wants me to bring up Tom Fornelli. So if you had a, a podcast, maybe with Tom Fornelli, you know, you would be able to, you know, bring those thoughts. But uh, uh, you know, do you miss Tom? I, I will miss him for a long time. For last update, uh, deer have overtaken his home in Lake Bluff. <laughs> uh, they're in control of most of the kitchen appliances. I think Tom is is boarded up in his basement, but I, I fear there's not much longer of Tom Fornelli. Are the, are the deer making his uh, daily bets uh, that he puts out on Twitter? Like uh, they, they will be uh, providing the lines in the future and okay. the over-under calls Great. for him going forward. So that level of content will continue, but they, they've eaten everything out of his bird feeder, and uh, you know, now we'll be sleeping in his bed tonight, I, I assume. I How do you use a kitchen appliance with a hoof? <laughs> Most I mean, a toaster, se- things? Yeah, a toaster <laughs> seems easy. You just got to go down. Sure. So that's that's doable. They've done a load of dishes recently. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're at least they're keeping the place tidy. Yeah. Uh, very nice deer. Uh, so let's take a break and then we'll jump into maybe some of the players that might be able to take this new instruction further and, and be able to improve, uh, build on you know some of the old stuff and, and maybe Chris Johnson providing some familiarity uh, will help some of these guys with a uh, boost in 2023. Uh, if you want to watch the White Sox in 2023, the best way to be at the game is through game time. They're the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's possible with the game time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Blackhawks, Bulls, or Bears tickets. It's created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love GameTime. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets to the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the GameTime app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. We also got to let you know about Shady Rays. Um, I was driving today with our Shady Rays. Vinny, you probably were as well. It was Uh, bright. It was bright outside. We, we got to get James a pair. Uh, they never understood why sunglasses were so expensive this fall, uh, this winter. <laughs> They're so in they your gift bag when, we, when, when you leave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> along with a, another six-pack of the goose. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to break the bank this quality. Uh, this You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this winter because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. Uh, they have a fantastic 
protection program as well. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked, and they do stand behind their product. And they told our team that if anyone has a problem, they'll throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. They offer free returns and exchange. You'll either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay you to ship them back. That's it. So Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. You can buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find their newest and best shades. We also got to let you know about FOCO. Uh, Lawrence took off the FOCO thing. Sorry, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Now it's too hot? Yeah, I got it warm. Okay. It's, right. it's a quality it product. It worked. It, worked. Product. it warmed you up. Uh, Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room. Sorry. Soldier Field to the front room. Thank you. North or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. FOCO, F-O-C-O. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with the hoodies with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com, F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off at FOCO, F-O-C-O.com. Uh, thank you, James, for sitting through that ad break. Uh, we got some players we want to, well, you, you have no choice. In living room as a thing? No, so this ad read was written originally, to, and the line was from... What was it from? Soldier Field, Soldier to, the field to the front room. Front room is a Chicago thing. You know, it's one of those things we say with our thick accent, like the jewels. Anyway, they uh, the, it then changed to living room, and I'm like, what are they ashamed of? The are they ashamed of saying front room? We gotta, we got you gotta stand up for your for your city and your ridiculous accent. Like they all I, live like in the suburbs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They all live in Orland Park. <laughs> so what yeah. if it's not located in the front? Well, but it's is a reference. It's a reference. It's like the front see. office? Yeah. Front room? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, I think it's just kind of saying it's from Soldier Field to your house. Like, right. It's kind of like, well, you I know. Well, I got that part. Yeah. 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 I think it's. I was not befuddled by the Yeah. Answer. Yeah. I think, it, you know, it, I don't, it, it's, it, it's any point in the house. I mean, they, it could be kitchen. I, I think sure, it's. Sure, but you front know. room is a Chicago yeah. thing. Yeah. They were trying to, I think. I liked that. I wanted. I wanted it to stay in there. So we keep. We're putting it back. <laughs> Bring it back. We're, we're taking. It, we're taking back our city. Um, so let's talk about some of these players more specifically. Um, I mean, Luis Robert. You mentioned his time in Charlotte before. Um, we were going through our top storylines for 2022. I found that note, and uh, one of them was: Can Luis Robert win MVP? Uh, the answer was no in 2022. Uh, but even you know, Chris Johnson could have, uh, but he didn't. <laughs> could have, yeah, right. He, well, didn't. he probably couldn't have given that he got given injured. a number of at bats. Yeah, he got right. injured three times. Yeah, right. If he was healthy and he hit the ball, you know, yeah, then yeah. Uh, but even I think of when he went down in 2021 to Charlotte, he ended up coming back with a new stance and was a little bit more open. Um, so, what are some ways that maybe Luis Robert can improve? Is it just staying healthy, or what other parts of him as a hitter needs to improve to be that third or fourth bat in the lineup? I mean, he's an always a guy because he's his approach is like so crazy aggressive that like you can't just say like oh I wish this guy was passive and, and you know turn his plate approach into like Jack Cust or Adam Dunn and you know he'd be just as effective. But he's he's always a guy who has like some level of if he's able to shave down his outside the zone chasing the you know level to which he you know swings and misses at sliders out of the zone that there's room for improvement. I, I think he's shown that he can be like. Mondo aggressive and he has the level of bat to ball ability and the raw strength that he can hit for average even while you know having swing and miss rates that are more accustomed to like these big 30 strikeout rate 30 percent strikeout rate sluggers 
but yeah, I, I, one, if he was just healthy, I think he would have, you know, put up a four or five win season last year. Just, mm. you know, his hitting ability was like that just profound, even outside of like having more refinements in his approach. And, you know, he's a center fielder who when healthy, you know, plays above average center field, even though I know he didn't do that uh, uh, last year. I can see the chat flaming me for his defensive metrics before not even looking, but yeah, I, I, I think any any improvement is approach, but above all, just like not swinging with a extremely bruised wrist or not having COVID or not having, you know, dizziness that, you know, becomes very easy for him to become extremely good. But any sort of approach breakthrough at all would be, yeah, he'd be a, you know, a top 10 player in the league. Right. I mean, they, they had such an emphasis on pitch selection, so hopefully he'll be able to fix that. Him and Tim swing the most at OO counts at 8.7% of the time. Uh, at least the team. Uh, Leary comes in second. Tim's 7. probably the one I would put, like, based on his perspective, had, like, a really good breakdown of this, is that he his outside-the-zone swing rate will look really high, but he actually has this, like, section that's off the edge of the plate that he's actually really good at hitting the ball hard from, mm-hmm. that it's actually a good swing decision for him to swing off the, off the edges and be as aggressive as he is. He's, like, especially now that he's, you know, 29, I wouldn't say, like, well, if he could just hone in the approach and start taking walks. He kind of is what he is. And what he is when he's healthy is, like, a guy who can hit, you know, north of 310. Uh, and if you, it's really hard, especially now, given how batting average is cratered, to be a bad offensive player if you're hitting 310 that you don't really, like, oh, if he just had more walks and power. Like, if, you're, if you hit 310 with your approach, maybe, maybe stick with your approach. <laughs> right. Um, we saw him recently at driveline. Like, is Tim Anderson trying to boost more power? Like, it, would we see a 20 home runs from Tim Anderson in 2023? Like, could that be a goal that he could be setting out with Dansby getting as much money as he is in his free agency contract coming up? Um, Sure. Why not? I mean, he's hit 20 home runs before. It was obviously maybe a different ball that he hit 20 home runs with. But uh, he's someone who's gotten really away from, like, pulling the ball at all. Um I maybe wouldn't advise, like, hey, start pulling the ball if he's hitting for high average the way he usually has. Um, but, yeah, I, I th- I'm definitely curious to see what he's going to say about this. I would um, estimate not a ton, uh, but w- it'll, the results will probably show in the field to some degree. And I don't, I don't think he needs to hit 20 home runs to be, like, a really great offensive player and, you know, hit leadoff. But if he tapped into his pull power, given just how quick his hands is, given how much he can turn on inside pitch um, – that'd be great. But also like after his first couple of years in the league, he really didn't get pitched that way anymore. He's, he's hitting the opposite field so much as a response to how he's being attacked. And I, I think people will give him singles over like betting on him being able to turn on fastball. So if that happens a bit more, but I, I'd be, I wonder if the league has to adjust him a little bit too, for him to become more of a power hitter. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the uh, coaches should, you know, just straight up avoid Tim Anderson and not even make contact, eye contact with him. But it's a guy you don't really need to fix, as you alluded right. to, right? I mean, this is, uh, you know, they, they brought in this coaching staff and a new manager to make all this change to get these guys back to where they were supposed to be. Tim Anderson, why don't you just, why don't you just let him do his Tim Anderson thing? Uh, the idea being that Tim Anderson would be healthy over the course of an entire right. season, which he wasn't last year. Um, but if he is, you would like to think that you've got one of the most consistent, you know, constants at the top of the order that that you'd find in baseball uh with what he's able to do when he's on and you know that that's that's certainly not something that needs to be fixed that's a strength of your team you know they've now focusing on other guys throughout the lineup I'm sure Sean you've got Yohan Moncada on your discussion list there uh you know would seem to be a far more bigger priority than uh, trying to do anything to what Tim has done which is make himself an all-star one of the you know one of the best 
average hitters in the game. Saving the best or juiciest for last, I guess. Um, I, I guess the Tim, I, I, you know, some people, I guess, would be concerned at the way he finished the I, year. Just I thought you were going to do another Greenridge farm out. <laughs> Why? It's best and juiciest. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess people would be worried, though, with Tim, just the way that he finished last season, just because through the first 36 games, he was hitting 365, 405, 527, and then finished at 250, 285, 288, uh, with an OPS of 257, or uh, two. Or 573, my bad. Um, so, I mean, like, even though it was a hand injury, a like, there wasn't it, a lot of nagging well, stuff, right? A lot of it, the coach, at least coaches I talked to said, like, they didn't feel like he was fully back in terms of leg strength when he came back from the groin injury. They just, like, okay. came back once he was cleared to play and that his ability to kind of be in his legs and his swing was, like, clearly diminished until up until the point he got hurt. Okay, yeah, and then, yeah, he ended up leaving, and that May 25th was ar- around the way that he, around the time that he left, uh, where that sample starts so yeah the groin injury seemed to be just as disastrous a blow to the season as it felt at the time when they carried him off that's true i mean that's a, that's a moment i think i forget we we talked about um based off of chuck's interview with yasmani where he said the injury on the six was the biggest blow we didn't even bring up they the had a gro- lot of blows yeah. right but we didn't bring up the groin injury well i think the the point that yasmani made in that interview was that that was like they lost their guy they lost their engine they lost their heart and soul kind of thing Tim could technically still be that even if he wasn't playing physically at 100%. So taking taking what he does off of the stat sheet out of the mix there is probably what he was referring to. But certainly when you've got a guy who's supposed to be your engine between the lines as well as outside of them, uh, you know, hampering that pretty significantly that's going to be one of the many blows that they, that they sustained last year. Understood. Uh, before we move away from Tim and Luis, when did you notice Luis Robert became Luis Robert Jr.? Because I just brought this up to Vinny. I saw it in print like the other day, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a. It, I think it was a prerequisite to owning a butterfly sanctuary. All right, we'll have to look into Florida <laughs> we have law. Have to ask about the butterfly sanctuary. I will be disappointed if it's not our first question to him. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a good icebreaker. Like, you know, welcome back. How's the butterfly sanctuary? Well, I. The only reason I wouldn't is because I'd be, I'd be crushed if he was like, yeah, I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> like bought the house, cleaned it out, cleaned it out, put a put a cage in there, <laughs> burned it on the first day. <laughs> wow, that's that's gruesome. Uh, or butterflies. Uh, you bring up Yasmani. Uh, I know there has been talks about him getting into his legs as well a little bit more recently, uh, using the ground up, uh, like to get that power back. Uh, outside, I mean, it seems like his plate selection's still there. Like, wh- what does Yasmani need to do to to turn things around in twenty twenty three? Is it just health and you know have the lower half of a goaltender? The lower half of a goal. He's working with uh, oh, right, Blackhawks. Right. Oh, it was a hockey joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big Sorry. hockey guy now, James. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to learn hockey talk to to talk to Yaz. Mm, I mean, not, that might be a tough road to hoe. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say physically, diminishment is mainly his thing. Like it didn't seem like an approach thing. I mean, I, he had two knees surgeries on both knees within the same calendar year, and just didn't seem like he was, you know, the same the whole year round. It seemed like he was still rehabbing. Uh, the right knee, a lot of spring training, and was trying to get it in the full strength pretty much all year, and then had the other stuff happen and come along. The, you know, the stuff he talked about with his back. Uh, you know, I think he told us in season the thing he told Chuck about. You know, his feeling like one side of his body shut down. Uh, you know, due to the pinched nerves in his back. So, yeah, I, I think it's entirely physical. I mean, he's a short 34-year-old catcher, and he's been through a lot with his legs, and you know, he tore his ACL early in his career as well. So, 
Um, yeah, I don't think it's an approach thing. I, I think his approach is probably one of the best in baseball, but it's about having the same level of you know pop that he's able to get from the explosion of his legs. And you know, will it come back to full order? It seems like certainly he's working toward it, but it's, it's certainly not a given. It's it's one of the reasons why I think you know catching depth has been something that's animated the fan base is wondering like, well, what's our backup plan if he doesn't come back full strength and doesn't have the same you know zip that he had second half of 2021. Um, he definitely seems like he's busting his ass on it, but also it's a really hard thing to get back after all he's been through physically and catching what got to be 12 years in the majors at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I th- think that's why, like I, and I've said before on this show, like I'd, I'm, I'm less, I'm, I'm more confident that he'd be able to return to a semblance of the offensive self that he was, that he's been at his best, mm-hmm. far more curious about what he would be like behind the plate and, and how these, the health issues have impacted what he's able to do as a catcher because I, you know, I don't know whether the statistics reflect this, but anecdotally last year, defense behind the plate seemed to be a, a need of this team. I mean, I think Yaz would tell you that he's a guy who focuses on framing uh, over everything else. Like, you know, to some degree, if you're really selling out to present pitches, it probably makes you more vulnerable to wild pitches and pass balls a bit more. Uh, I do. I talked to, like, uh, Julio Mascara, the catching coordinator, at the end of the year, and they were – basically getting the ass back into like the one knee stance to try to both take pressure off his body and also, you know, get him set up where he's kind of already set up pretty low to frame pitches the way he wanted to. Um, earlier in his career, he was more traditional stanch uh, just because he could frame, frame really well that way. And that was where his experience was. And they, they tried to get him one knee a little bit in 2021. It didn't really take his numbers went down. And once he started feeling better, he wanted to get out of it. But now they're looking as more of like a permanent switch that, you know, this will maintain you better, and if you get used to it, you'll be able to frame the way you want to out of it. So that might be a change we see defensively more out of it. It's not going to turn him into just like a totally different dude catching wise. I don't think he's going to like, you know, lead the league and lease balls to the backstop ever. But uh, maybe it's something that can make it work for him while still framing the way he wants to. Right. Like every other metric, like his arm is pretty below average. His pop time is pretty below average. Not shockingly, uh, even his uh, what his exchange rate is pretty slow, uh, pretty below average. So like. Framing is what he does best. Um, it's just, you know, as long as he can play 100 games and hit like the way he does, I mean, that's where his value truly comes from. And, you know, it's, I think, really huge looking back at what he did load-wise before he signed that contract. He caught 272 games just in 2019 and 2018 alone, 135 and 18, and then 137 and 19. So, like, it just leg injuries are going to zap you of, of all that, and, and back injuries are going to zap you of all that. So if he's healthy – uh, hopefully he'll be able to hit 20 home runs again, uh, just like he did in 2021. He was, he was doing some contract year labor there. At yeah, he was. Los Angeles <laughs> and Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, not luckily for the White Sox. Uh, and then Yohan Moncada, uh, he, he didn't have to put too much work in to get his contract. Uh, you know, he, he just played, what, about three years with the organization and then got the contract. Uh, got himself an MVP vote is what he did. Yeah, yeah he, he did. He finished 22nd in AL of MVP voting. How, how do you feel now after, who was who, the cup, Ryan Tapera? Was it Tapera who got an MVP vote? That was accident? an accidental. No, that right. was not Ryan Tapera. Yeah, it was. It was? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, they tried somebody to, else. I forget who they tried to Former take White Sox, great like, Ryan Tapera. Do, yeah. do you feel yeah. a little bit more vindicated? Now no, that it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> he did it on purpose. He had reason to do it. He and G.J. LeMayhew were like step for step, like on Fangrass War, like around the ninth or 10th like bracket that year. And I was deciding between them, and I thought like, this well, is for 10th place. This is for 10th yeah, place. 10th place. I was sweating out 10th place. <laughs> Neither of them were close. And I thought, no one's aware that Mankata had this big season. He did it for a rebuilding team. 
DJ LeMay, who plays the Yankees, if anything, and he like was competing for the batting title all season. Like, if anything, he's probably going to be wildly overrated in this voting. And I vote for Moncada. I was like, you know, this will this will probably get him closer to where he needs to be, given what his season was. I did not know it would be the only vote for him, if <laughs> anyone, on any ballot. And sure enough, LeMayu finished like freaking third or fourth. <laughs> and I was the only person who didn't have him on the ballot. It was just a mess. And I got like angry emails from Yankee. I got like slammed by like someone who writes for NewJersey.com as a homer. Because, you know, that, that's a big calling someone a homer by mad that they didn't root for your hometown player. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and then someone was like, why didn't you vote for Tim Anderson? If you were a homer, he had a higher batting average than LeMayhew. I was like, you're almost getting it. I didn't vote for batting average. <laughs> so still a sore spot after a all these bit, years yeah. is what we're saying. I don't blame you. It would, mean, have, it would have been nicer if he had turned into a perennial MVP candidate after that rather than... There's still time. Who was who more of a, an MVP candidate 2022 Dylan Cease who got one down ballot, ballot vote or 2019 Yohan Moncada? <laughs> Probably Cease, it seems like. Okay. That was uh, a AP vote. I mean, I, I think, like, every year the Cy Young is always a question of, like, well, are they also the MVP? Like, what would we do with this? I don't think he was, like, this super transcendent... Well, one, he didn't win the Cy Young at all. But two, he wasn't, like, this, you know, year where, like, Verlander won the Cy Young where he, you know, was such a dominant pitcher that there was no compelling position performances uh, that you would maybe put the Cy Young as a winner um, other than, like, if it was Otani, so... But, yeah, I, I, Mankata was just like, this is a great season. He was better than the 22nd player in the AL that year, and that's where he wound up finishing because that was my vote. So, Can he do it again right. in 2023? The that's easiest the transition. Ever. I mean, I don't know because, like, he hit 25 homers that year, and it was like the 2019 baseball, and, like, everyone was rolling out of the bed and hit 25. Not really, but, like, you get what I mean. Um and I don't know, like, if his approach, because it's clearly not like a pull hitting power hitter approach. It's very like spray the ball to all fields. I don't know if it's going to lend itself to the way to hit like slug 550 the way he did that year. Um, I think everyone would just be happy if he got back to like being an on base machine, um, even though he kind of got like <laughs> dragged for that a little. Like he was just he was really just an on base machine in, in 2021. I think obviously everyone would be really cool with that if you uh-huh. went to act back to that. And that seems more realistic with what they're talking about, what they want to be. Um, they're not talking about, like, let's get him back to the 2019. That was kind of the thread in the second half of talking Menachino about. It. I was like, let's just get him back to the 2019 guy. He was a little overaggressive, but, like, that would be better than what we got right now. Um, Pedro sounds more like he wants to get him to embrace his plate discipline, um, which can lead Yohan know, to be a little bit more passive than people want at times. But I, I think – if it's a 360-plus OBP, you kind of sweat everything else. Well, don't the White Sox need to be more passive in 2022 just in general, like every hitter? I think it's – I mean, my answer to that question is something that you alluded to earlier, which is it's, it's really a case-by-case basis, right? I mean, you're not turning Tim Anderson right. into the guy who walks every other time he's up at the plate. You can – get Yoan Moncada because he has that skill set already to rediscover that kind of thing. Certainly, Yasmani Grandal is capable of doing that, as we all know, when, when he's not injured. Um, Andrew Vaughn, I mean, he had a, a better walk rate in his rookie year. Sure, uh, but again, it's, it's, it, it's less about, oh, the White Sox need to be the team where everybody does this, and it needs to be that guy needs to be the best version of himself, and it includes more of that. You know what I mean? And once you get to that point, if they can have the offensive team that they envisioned – then they'll 
be fine and it'll do that thing they were that they wanted last year to be where they don't have to be that good defensively because they've got the team the off team doing the offense the way that they always wanted it to do I think that includes Yohan Moncada being an on-base guy it includes Grandal walking more than anybody in in baseball it includes Vaughn using some of those skills um so but don't expect Luis Robert to suddenly just become the guy who's going to walk 100 times because it's some sort of team mandate. They need those aggressive guys to stay aggressive. They just need them to do it correctly, do it to the way that yields the results that they're supposed to get, that they're used to getting. I don't think you need to transform any guy. Like, there was this one year Alexa Ramirez, like, all of a sudden walked, like, a 10% of the time, and just, like, watching his at-bats was really weird, and it wasn't <laughs> that effective, and they kind of went back to normal after that. But, like, every hitter in the White Sox lineup's walk rate is, like, that needs to be like two or three percent higher. <laughs> so I, maybe Tim would be the exception because he's always just been like a no walks at all guy. But like Vaughn just seems a lot more lower than it should be given that, you know, even just two to three percent lower than it should be given that he's kind of a power patience profile and how well he knows his own. Like, uh, you know, Luis Robert could be six or seven instead of three or four. Like L.A. Menes could be in the same territory. And across the board, if everyone just got a little bit closer to average, I think that would be, you know, very transformative. Where your guys who spike it like Lincata and Grandal can kind of do their work and not be like the only guys drawing walks on the team. Well, and I think you mentioned it like Abreu was one of the one guys who took to that approach in 2021 and now he's gone. So even that 6%, you know, rating or whatever is probably below 6% now. He also now. did really weird things to his game that I haven't totally figured out like why it happened. Like, like why did the guy who has like, elite raw power his entire career hit 50 home 15 home runs the year where he's like theoretically more locked into the zone than ever like it did his exit velocities were still on top so it basically and 40 doubles fluky. yeah but it, it was just it was strange man it was well, a strange year it was it was so odd i mean like I, I think i noticed and i don't know if it is the ball or not like i mean there was a recent the recent story in insider uh where they found three different balls and three different weights um but i'm not sure like how much the ball is actually affecting them because like um, even in like April, like I'm a big ball conspiracy theorist. Everyone, I mean, not affected, but I'm a big in, in terms of I think it affected the White Sox. I think their approach was very much geared towards like we have all fields power. We don't mm -hmm. need to focus or we don't need to like prioritize it. Like if the famous quote from the hitting coach that we got on Zoom, where he you know will follow him to his grave, unfortunately, even though like it was in a very specific context was basically saying after home run we'll hit 300 is that and he was talking about Andrew Vaughn at the time and he said you know if he just focuses on making solid contact he's got so much natural raw power that he'll leave the yard to any field it's built on the presumption that this team was full of hitters who could hit the ball out to the opposite field without really trying to and thus they just had to focus on like clean contact they didn't have to focus on like focusing on just this area where you can pull the ball and hit it for power to hit for power the the big thing we saw at the ball last year was that you could not effortlessly hit the ball out to the opposite field anymore. And so someone like Vaughn probably hit seemingly 15 to 20 drives to the warning track in right field uh, that probably would have been home runs in 2020, but would, weren't anymore. And, you know, Eloy even had one of those two in a big situation, I remember. Abreu had a ton of them. Right. Abreu had an absolute ton of them. It was a team that just couldn't hit the count on hitting the ball out to the opposite field a bit more. And so that, if they actually want to think about power or like at least maybe unleashing those kind of power swings early in the count, it, it had to be a bit more focused and not just saying like, well, we'll just hit for average and our, our everyone will have 25 home runs kind of organically. All right. So the final questions, I guess, will end on the new additions and Andrew Benatendi 
How does he fix that? You know, do, do, or how how does he? He's add gonna to this bring offense? the power, baby. Yeah, right? I don't think I don't think that's happening. Well, Sean. And, and I showed you one of the spray charts, and all of his power is to any line drive he was hitting. Like there was a huge just red blob in left field. Like I mean, that's where most of his power comes from or goes to is opposite field. So if the ball is going to be similar in twenty twenty three, like is he going to hit five home runs again, or you know, will it be? But close he's not. To 10, he's not here to hit home runs. He, yeah, one, it would nice. Like, it would be nice if he hit at least like ten. Cool, he's but that's not what he's getting paid for. And get on base, <laughs> but also he's going from Kaufman, which is enormous, to the White Sox, which is I think sneakily by Statcast either the number one or number two for left-handed power home run hitting mm-hmm. in baseball. Like the other number, it's either they're one or two with Yankee Stadium, and so I think he's not going to hit thirty home runs now. But I think he probably would have been pretty happily in the 10 to 12 range if you were here and it wouldn't be talking like he'd be talking about like he, he doesn't hit for a ton of power we wouldn't be talking about him like this freak who only hits five <laughs> home runs the way we talk him now I, I think he can get a lot closer to average which is what I think he functionally is in terms of the power department uh in a very favorable setting as opposed to playing in like one of the best pitcher parks in baseball and then Mike Clevenger, uh, what what does he bring to that rotation? No um, power, no power. I don't think he's going to yeah, hit any not, home runs. He's not going to hit yeah. any. I mean, yeah. well, he's, he can't even bat, like legally, right? <laughs> I mean, they could put him in at shortstop, <laughs> I guess, if they wanted to. They, <laughs> they, 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 could, they could pitch run him at second base or third base um, if they wanted to. Like, but yeah, I, I mean, w- what is he going to bring to the rotation um, as that fifth starter? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the last time he was seen, he wasn't getting it out in the NLCS. He's a guy who's, like, you're hoping him is based on the idea that he's healthy after, like, dealing with uh, a knee issue or something, like, similar to, to Kopech, but not – he didn't need surgery. Well, do I have Kopech to hear did. about cysts again? No. Ugh, I that was I gross. I don't know anything about cysts. But he, he said, like, he got a <laughs> PRP injection in our introductory, like, press conference with him. So I wouldn't talk about, like – he mostly said, like, he got the velocity back, like, in, in San Diego, especially middle of the year. Um, I think there was a lot of focus on, like, well, he just needs to be a full year out from TJ and back to full strength. The issue is, like, how much his knee is recovered because that's what he's – you know, we saw this play out with, you know, Kopech, you know, not to say their injuries are the same again, but, like, it was just about being able to drive off his, his right knee um, the way he needs to. So it's about whether an offseason can cure that and whether that gets him back to his old self um, and whether, you know, Ethan Katz – Knowing him when he was an A-ball with the Angels uh, all these years ago means they have some sort of special connection or there's improvements he can make, but it's, it's about whether he's healthy. It's a, it's a $12 million bet on getting him back to full strength and saying that he'll be Mike Clevenger again, um, which as the offseason moved on, didn't seem like that pricey of a bet. Mm. <laughs> as a comparable started signing up, I, I think a $12 bet for, or $12 million bet. It's $12 bet for Mike Clevenger would be choice. Uh, $12 million, I think, is a lot better than, like, one year for Matthew Boyd, who, like, pitched 10 innings last year. Rich Hill just signed for $8 million. So, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit more money, but, like, the base salary is about the same. Yeah, I mean, Rich Hill is a similar – not similar at all, uh, <laughs> style-wise, but, like, I think he probably seen him be more f- effective more recently, but he's been the same thing where he's, you know, he gets injuries over the course of his year and – I don't think he's pitched like you know 180 innings anytime recently, so it'd be the same sort of concern. But I think Clevenger probably offers more upside if he's only 32. If he's fully healthy, maybe he goes back to the guy who's who's thrown 200 innings, you know, in the last five years. Right. Any final questions? 
Any final questions for James? Yeah, I mean, you could probably ask him, like, when I, I mean, you have his phone number, so, like, you could probably ask him more questions. It's true, like, brag. You'll, um, you'll, you'll see him again. You'll have more questions for him. I'll I ask guess, you, James, but. are you excited to get out to uh, Camelback Ranch and hear Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town anytime soon? No, that's, like, two months away. Why am I, like, am I excited to go back to working every single day? No. <laughs> but but I, I, it was more a question about Thin, Thin Lizzy. Are you anti-Thin Lizzy? No, like in in the in the right season in the okay. right environment. They have they have a uh, playlist at Camelback Ranch that they do not divert from yeah. at all. Makes and sense. Th- you hear the boys are back in town basically every day. It's kind of fun. It's a, it's a fun thing to be a part of. I'd probably I'm do not the playing, same thing. I'm not playing the boys are back in town during the off season. But because it only it, it only rings true when the boys are indeed back in town. Well, we know what song you wouldn't put on Touch Tunes and it's boys are back in town. I, I would not put boys back in town. In I definitely would. Yeah. One, I don't want to do something that will galvanize the entire bar. I want something that's entirely for me while I'm in this public space, and then everyone can be mad at me. I could do that, too. I think we all could. Yeah. I mean, I could put Tusk on. Oof. There you go. Do you like Tusk from Fleetwood Mac? It's fine. Okay. I'll take it. A lot of people are very vitriolic about it, so I'll take, I'll take a f- It's fine. All right? We'll end it there. It was that you I've called it one of the five greatest albums of all time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was yeah. The, So you play the whole album. Yeah. Not just, like, the <laughs> song. And I, I've, I've made a different version where it's, it's trimmed down a bit. Uh, so it's a little bit more succinct. It's called you, Tusk 2. You've released it, a different I haven't released it. No, I haven't the, released it. I've the just famous put, album Tusk by yeah. Fleetwood Mac. He's basically, he's basically made the phantom edit of Tusk. Is it on yeah. Apple Music? Uh, it's Spotify. Okay. Uh, also, so- SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud. <laughs> I've remixed it all, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, No, I mean, you, you could pare it down. I, I think it's a good album if, you, if, it, if Lindsey Buckingham just didn't have too much control. I don't need to start talking about this. James probably wants to go home. Uh, that's James Vegan. Do you slide, like, when the, the other singer died, did you, like, kind of slyly put on Twitter, it was like, hey, a unique cut of this famous album, if you want to honor her memory. She I has a name, that. the other singer. I don't remember it. <laughs> Christine McVie. Christine McVie. Um... Yeah, I did. I don't know. I don't know. What I remember was, DJ Carrasco's name from him being the long reliever of the White Sox in like 2009, but not Christine McVie. Sorry, I don't, I don't blame you. That's fine. I, you, it's your job to know. I forget who you even DJ said. Right Carrasco now. DJ Carrasco does not come Carrasco. up in my day-to-day work at all. <laughs> it could. Uh, it just did. Uh, and that's uh, James Fagan. You can follow him on Twitter at Jr. Fagan. He's the Athletics Chicago White Sox beat writer. Uh, and that is Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, and I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We appreciate James fit filling in for Herb uh, today. And we'll have Mike Rankin on the podcast from Future Sox tomorrow at 4 p.m. And then Chuck Garfine uh, on Thursday. Uh, don't know what day of the week it is. On Thursday. He'll be here on Thursday. Yeah. All right, there you go. On Thursday. Uh, so that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching, and make sure you're hitting the like, uh, like button on the way out. Uh, thank you very much, and go Sox.